Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are your host, Atlas Alex, and we are so pleased that you are with us today. If this is your first time, welcome. And if you are one of our many returning uh, guests and friends, then welcome as well. You're always welcome. If you found us today or are watching us today on Facebook, uh, as you can see, we managed to fix the snafu that we were facing uh, last week. We were unable to post or schedule a, uh, our live stream to Facebook as a result of that, you know, having our other uh, account deleted and losing access to Atlas information. So, so from now on, we will be using our new page, Atlas Alex, to schedule these live streams and also to post other videos and memes and so on and so forth that we um, that we put forward and making other announcements related to for example our upcoming book which we can happily report is off to the races off to the next phase of the publication process and that is the internal layout and design. We completed all of the editing this week and we also uh, repaired uh, all of the figures and and captions related to those figures and we uh, reconstituted all the tables and and wrote the bibliography which was ended up turning out to be quite extensive as it turns out. So all of that was completed by the end of this week and now we've resubmitted it and we've been told that we, we will have a formatted book ready by uh, sometime early this week. And from then, we don't know how long it'll take to for it to become available for purchase. But that's the short update on where we stand on the... Uh, the shortly to be released Touchwood, shortly to be released book that we've been talking about and working on for so long. But there is also another follow-up and it relates directly to today's live stream. There's another follow-up related to last week's live stream and the topic from last week, which dovetails very nicely with this week's topic. And that of course, uh, pardon us while we uh, get our bearings here. Well, let's make that a little bit bigger. <clears throat> Oops, that's not what we want. So today we're going to be talking about True self-confidence. Now it follows, if there is such a thing as true self-confidence, 
it follows that there must be something which is not. This should come as no surprise to anyone that if you have something that is true, there is going to exist something which is not, something which is false. And this is a most critical direction, reality, situation for us to truly pay attention to and truly be cognizant of. Now, specifically, we entitled today's talk as, right, The Path. The path of true self-confidence. This suggests that there is a road we can take or a path we can take to arrive here. Or you'll note it's going to be very important to meditate, pay very close attention to the language that we are using, to the words that we are using. <clears throat> because we did not say the path to true self-confidence. We said it's the path of true self-confidence. Which means that we can't draw it like this, we need to draw it like this, right? There's our road, there's our path. It's the path of true self-confidence. Now, again, simply using deductive reasoning or pure logic, if there is a path of true self-confidence, then that means there is a path of false self-confidence. And where there are two paths or two roads to take, there is always a point Right? There is always a fork in the road. And very often we will stand at the intersection, at the fork in this road. And we will be tested. We will be, we will face an ordeal. We will face whatever trial it might be, whatever obstacle it might be. It might be a grand, all-encompassing, important, or seemingly colossal, catastrophic 
ordeal, or it might be some very little test, some minor little quibble. Which path are we going to take? The path of true self-confidence or the path of false self-confidence? Well, we can't begin to walk either of these paths without first knowing <laughs> what they are. We have to be able to, de to define them somehow. We have to know what, what they are in some way, do we not? Oh, well, it's going to look this way now. So, so we have the path of false self-confidence and true self-confidence. Let's begin. We can look at the word confidence itself. Now, con doesn't mean opposite in Latin. As a prefix, it means with. And fidence is fide. It derives from the same. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know what? Let's move it this way, and then we'll we'll just start with a uh, a fresh page. Okay. Confidence. So, con is with, and fidence, we have this fide in here, and fide is related to, for example, fidelity. So, that fidelity uh, relates to accuracy. And we can also look at words like, for example, evidence, right? Evidence and confidence are related. We can have confidence in a judgment based on how much evidence we have. So, fide, uh, related to fidelity, accuracy, in other words, truth. Or a strength of truth, right? An evidence-based truth. Which, with that evidence-based truth, okay, with that evidence-based truth, the result is confidence. We can have confidence in our decision-making process, for example. We have confidence in ourself. Why? Because we have knowledge. We know. And we have the evidence. So we know from experience. 
We can testify because we have been a witness. We have witnessed, we have seen things, we've experienced things. And it is that experiential knowledge, that gnosis, and the more high resolution that gnosis is, the more depth that it has, the more breadth which it has, the greater its scope, the greater its fidelity, the higher resolution, our knowledge. The, all of that, if we have access to that, in other words, if we are with that, or if that, all of that high fidelity, depth and scope and breadth of knowledge is with us, That is the foundation from where we can get this phenomenon called confidence. Just before we continue, we have a couple comments, and surely there's some people are saying hello. And we have to apologize. You know, when we when we launch these things, we have different windows and streamyards, and sometimes when we we have to jump back and forth and. So let's just uh, get get on with it. Um, uh, Jennifer says, I just got here. <laughs> Did you say you have a new Facebook page? Sorry, I'm catching up. Okay. And uh, Kathy says, hello. Uh, Jennifer, no, The um, what we were saying is, uh, well, maybe we don't know how you got here. Well, no, we so actually, no, we do know how you got here because you're watching on uh, YouTube. Our uh, We created a new Facebook page for Atlas Alex. Uh, to replace the the uh, pay, the account which we lost access to, and so it's uh, Facebook. Um, well, I'll put it right here, right? Atlas Alux. So that's uh, a new page, a Facebook page. Uh, Chloe says, hi, hey, Facebook friend. Uh, nice to catch a live XX. A live... Uh, well, it's, that's, well, it's, if you're expecting, if you, if you forgot to type a third X there, it's not that kind of live stream. <laughs> but, uh, but you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, we're happy to have you. Okay, so let's continue here with our analysis. Does anybody have any questions or doubts or uh, any... Does this definition work for you? L think to your own life. Think to your own life and um, consider, uh, is that what gives you confidence? Is that where you, how you draw confidence? Jennifer Young says, okay, thanks. Uh, Benjamin uh, hooked me up with YouTube. Well, thank you, Benjamin. Benjamin's very helpful that way. 
Suffice it to say, are there other ways that we can get confidence? This is just derived from the word, from the Latin. Confide and confidence related to you know evidence and what we, we we just walk through it. So is there, are there other ways to get confidence? Let's look at this this part here. This uh What do contemporary psychologists and coaches say about confidence? How do they define confidence? Is anybody willing to hazard a guess or to to take a crack at uh, of how confidence is typically talked about? in modern, let's call it modern parlance, call it modern confidence. We can't really take apart the Latin anymore. It doesn't really matter, does it? Not for modern sensibilities. How do, how do uh, psychologists and coaches uh, anyone who's, you know, self-help gurus, like what do they or, or, or uh, you know, successful people or success in yourself? Oh, incidentally, because Azazel just, he, uh, here, you know, believe in yourself. Believe in your Whoops. Can we fix that? Yeah. Yourself. There we go. Uh, we forgot to uh, post the link. No, that's not the link. We, for, uh, we didn't even copy the link. Look at that. Okay, so there's the link. So if you're new, we, we always try to share the link to uh, come and participate. You're more than welcome to come online. It's just like a Zoom call. You don't have to do anything special. You're not, you're not um, obligated to contribute. But if you want to contribute, by all means, come online. And if you want to you know, give your fingers a rest, come on and be a, be a guest. Because we don't have... Typically, we don't have, I don't know, famous guests or whatever. This is not that kind of a podcast, typically speaking. We don't invite, you know, I don't know, the Jordan Petersons of the world or the Graham Hancocks of the world to come on and chat. We might do that at some point in the future. Who knows? But that's not, but you can, you can see those inter interviews elsewhere, right? Joe Rogan is far better at doing those kinds of interviews than, than we would be. So instead... We want to share the capacity to be able to have guests. You're our guests. You're the reason why we're doing this live stream. We're here for you. So if you want to interact in a more meaningful way, there's the link for you to do so. All right. Getting back to uh, brass tacks. We're going to make this a little bit bigger because this is um, we might have more writing here and it'll be too small. 
believe in yourself. So there's one. Does anybody else have any uh, suggestions as to what modern or contemporary confidence is? What typically, or we can certainly say that um, most people, when they think of confidence, they would equate it to uh, self-esteem. So believing in yourself is, is one thing, it's one level. But self-esteem, so believing in yourself, we might say, is a kind of a trust issue, right? But self-esteem is a, it's not an altogether an issue of trust. It's, it's an issue of, of worth. How do you see yourself? So not just worth, not worth objectively, but subjectively right? It's worthiness. So self-esteem, it's, this is, do I deserve it? Do I deserve to be successful? Am I worthy of being successful? What is my self worth right what is my opinion of myself and that gets into there are levels and levels and levels of this we can get into uh talking about respect do you respect yourself? Do you respect that you have the ability, the capability, the potential? And then this can even go into area, you know, questions of, of self-love. Because if you are ashamed of yourself, if you if you suffer from uh, self-loathing. It is not very likely that you have a lot of confidence in yourself. And in fact, when you consider performers, actors, yes, but also musicians, many of them suffer from substance abuse. And specifically, they will suffer from alcohol or uh, cocaine, obviously heroin, like lots of different substances, but, but whatever substances that they abuse, why do they abuse them? 
while all addiction is based in self-loathing. And it requires, if you're a musician or a performer, it requires a great deal of confidence to step out on stage. And so one of the things that substance abuse affords performers is substances they remove inhibitions in other words substances help you get over your fear and they they it's it's a drug it's how you it's how people who have self-loathing medicate themselves it's how they get over their fear and their shame and by with the help of that substance what are they able to do right they're able to step out on stage because that medication helps them get over their shame because when someone is ashamed if they're if they hate themselves or they they have self-loathing or their self uh, they're insecure in themselves, right? And they're self-conscious. And they're, again, they're insecure. They, they, they have terrible stage fright. It's a lot of performers, a lot of performers who, it, you might surprise you, even to this day, seasoned performers who throw up into a bucket mere moments before they go out on stage because they have such crippling stage fright because they suffer from fear and they suffer from shame and they're terrified there's that 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 their self-loathing is visible to the audience that 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 self-loathing and that that will 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 that the veil will be lifted and the jig will be up, so to speak, right? They can't afford to allow their audience in on their little secret. But, but then the substance comes. The alcohol, the cocaine, the heroin, whatever. The pills, whatever, whatever. And all of a sudden, their inhibitions are gone thanks to the chemical processes and the hormonal effects of the substance and they lose their inhibitions and they become fearless and in that fearlessness they do all kinds of crazy and wacky things on stage and they give this you know fantastic performance this very entertaining high energy performance and the audience eats it up and in fact a lot of that all of that nervous energy they gets retooled and projected outward as as dynamic 
you know, especially when we're talking about musicians, you know, lustful, or you're talking about actors, they, we will, we will use that energy, that, that fear, that negative energy, that nervous energy, and we will transmute it. And we will use it and harness it in our performance. And turn that nervous energy into an incredibly intense and incredibly energetic performance with or without drugs all actors do that if you uh, if, if if you're a stage actor and you don't have stage fright you're not a good actor it's impossible to act well if you don't feel the buildup of that nervousness that energy all eyes on you and that's you know that's a that's perhaps a, a another uh, a topic for another day it's kind of related but it's is there anything else that you can think of that relates to modern self-confidence you know believe in yourself sure believe in yourself you can do it so okay so Confidence can come from um, because this is there's our self talk. This is uh, here we go. This is might be better. Oh, we. <laughs> Our uh, tablet is on a on a slant here, so everything's everything has to be slanted now. So there's our self talk, right? And you will often see this about you know beware your internal dialogue and beware your self talk. And then in the new age, they have things called all right affirmations. And a lot of this comes from that. Um, that that children's book the little engine that could right i think i can i think i can i think i can i think i can and this positive self-talk and talking ourselves into believing in ourselves which then leads to this us having the confidence because we've talked ourselves into it So we might have all sorts of competing voices on our head. We might have voices in our head saying, oh, you suck. You can't do this. You're not good enough. Uh, nobody's going to like you. Nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody cares what you have to say. Nobody cares to... Whatever. And, and modern psychology and performance gurus and self-help gurus and new age gurus will tell you nonsense. You're an infinite being. You have unlimited potential. You have unlimited possibility. And, and there are uh, subliminal uh, tapes, right? We use the word tapes. Obviously, they're not tapes. They're CDs. They're whatever. Now they're digital files. You, you, you download them. They're apps on your phone, right, that you listen to while you sleep right? To reprogram your brain, to reprogram your psychology, your subconscious mind. 
And related to that, there's also hypnosis going to a hypnotist to hypnotize you. Look, if a really good hypnotize, uh, if someone who's very susceptible to hypnosis meets up with a very skilled uh, hypnotist, that hypnotist can make them think they're a chicken for a period of time. Well, if, if, if a hypnotist can make you think you're a chicken, it seems like, it seems like an, a no-brainer to go to that hypnotist and say, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to make me think I'm a chicken. I want you to make me believe that I'm the most capable, the most potent, the most powerful, the most intelligent, the most sexy, the most desirable, and the most successful man on the planet. In other words, I want you to hypnotize me into giving me all the confidence I could ever need or want. Now, how else do people in this modern world, this modern age with psychology and everything else, how else, what else do people turn to? I mean, hypnosis, like sub, subliminal tapes and hypnosis, we're, we're kind of getting out there, right? So let's bring it, let's bring it down to earth. Let's bring it back to, to, you know, to everyday normal people's lives. How about, how about good old fashioned right? Good old-fashioned validation, right? We're talking about approval. Praise. Affirmations, not that we give to ourselves, but affirmations which we seek from others. Because after all, on some level, on some level, somewhere, intuitively, we know what confidence really means and what confidence really is. On some level, we, we really know And so we're looking for the evidence. And one of the ways that we can find that evidence is with the opinions of others. In other words, others' opinions of us. Which is ironic, because people who lack self-confidence, they're usually really worried about what other people think of them. And so, if they're worried about, if you're worried about what other people think of you, 
of course, there's a good chance you're going to become a people pleaser. Now, few self-help gurus or any type of psychologist will will tell you to do this. This is not a uh, this is not a, a generally accepted you know best practice to seek the approval of others. And yet, look around the world. Look in your own life, maybe your own individual life, but maybe there's people around you, people in your family. They lack self-confidence. They're insecure in themselves. And one of the ways that they find the evidence of their worth, of their self-worth, is um as we said okay they're 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 trying to get here and they're going to find that evidence you know any which way they can and they will do they will they will find it in the in the opinions of others and so you end up with situations and circumstances as which is very 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 common and again we can turn to the world of uh, celebrities of politicians anyone who's in the public eye their success depends upon staying in the good graces of their followers and so there's constantly polling and, you know, and, and, um, and companies do this with, you know, marketing and uh, focus groups and uh, producers, film producers do their, um, their closed screenings and they're, they're trying to gauge feedback from the audience before they release the film in order that they have they can have greater confidence in the film's performance once it gets released so as much as a as much as we can say that you know the the self-help gurus you know aren't going to be aren't going to be talking about this as a strategy to gain confidence the reality is the entire world does this It's called, right, giving the people what they want. That was Hollywood's tagline for a century. Give the people what they want. This is marketing. This is advertising. This is, this is sales. This is business. This is capitalism. 
give the people what they want. So on an individual psychological level, we might say, but it's not good to be a people pleaser. Running around, you know, bending over backwards, trying to please everybody all the time, it's a recipe for disaster. And it creates the exact opposite of what it of what we intend it to. We end up having no self-esteem. We end up having zero confidence because we're constantly chasing it. We're chasing it, chasing it. It doesn't matter how much we accumulate, it's never enough. Sound familiar? Everything that we've described here all of what we've been um, describing here in this modern confidence does any of this truly relate to objective truth Is any of this related to that? And while you're musing on that or contemplating that, Stuart serendipitously posted this. Confidence requires honesty. I'd say honesty is part of the foundation of confidence. Perhaps this is why many lack confidence as we are living in and among so much deception. We're going to take, Stuart, we're going to take your comment as the answer. All of this is deception. But it's not just any deception. Right? What kind of deception is it, Stuart? You're gonna follow. You're gonna follow it up. You're gonna. You're gonna start, uh, get yourself on a roll. It's not just any kind of deception. I'll give you a hint. I told you to pay very close attention at the beginning of today's live stream. I said, pay very close attention to the words. Today, it's all about paying close attention to the words. Right? What kind of deception is it? It's not just any old deception. It's a very specific kind of deception. And absolutely, uh, what Stuart is saying is, is correct that if uh, confidence is, is about experiential knowledge 
and testimony and objective and evidence and everything else. And we, we know it, right? This is, this is all related to truth and therefore it's all related to, to honesty. That's what a courtroom is all about. A courtroom is, is attempting to get at the truth. Whether it does so or, or not, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's another matter. But we have, some, we have some responses to our question. What kind of deception is it? Kathy says, ego. All right, we can we can we can just uh, write that here in brackets, okay? And Mugaboo says a con, as in a con artist, which plays on our confidence. That's uh, in this particular case. We're gonna put an arrow here and we're going to, we're going to, um, ego. And we're going to put again in, in brackets here, we're going to say con artist. Okay. Because typically a con artist deceives others, right? So the answer is our, uh, good old friend Azazel. <laughs> whose answer is spot on. What kind of deception is it? It's self-deception. Good old self-deception. And Kathy's right. From this standpoint, Right, because our follow-up question was, okay, well, do you think this is your higher self? Yeah, okay, there you go, Stuart. Right, followed up, followed up. It's deception of self. It's self-deception. So, so the question is, who is the self? What self is doing the deceiving? That was our follow-up. That was going to be our follow-up question. Is this your true self? Is this your higher self that's deceiving you with all this stuff? With all this modern confidence, with this self-esteem and self-worth and you know self-loathing and you having to you know drink in order to get over your uh, inhibitions and, and having to do all this self-talk, right? And Benjamin says, aha, okay, you know, Benjamin's uh, um, uh, coming on here. Let's see if we can't uh, get this thing to uh, behave. There we go. A salesman pitch. And uh, and Kathy says, no, it's mind self. Well, it's, just, there's, it's the, the, the mind of self, but you had it earlier, Kathy. Right? What kind of mind is it? Okay, it's, it's, it's ego mind. It's the self-deception of ego mind. And ego here, the ego mind is the con artist. You know, when it, and he's doing his sales pitches. Right? It's our, it's our internal used car salesman. As, uh, as Benjamin pointing out. We all know what the deception is, right? Yeah, there you go, uh, Kathy, egoic mind. It's ego mind. It's the mind 
under control or it's of the ego. It's the ego playing a con job on us, on our consciousness. Stuart says it's demonic deception. The Holy Spirit is honest in essence and demons love deception. Demons modus operandi is deception. But again, it's a very specific kind of deception here. And people have been touching on it. Right? It's the con artist. It's the it's the salesman. Because it's a deception that's trying to get us to act a certain way. Benjamin says, this topic was serendipitous to me because yesterday someone said online that the way evil works in this world is through self-deception. People who deceive themselves are actually possessed by an eagle, ego. It is the egos which use the mind, want to hypnotize the mind. Remember, there was a reason why we brought up hypnosis here. You know, we don't have to go to a hypnotist to be hypnotized. All we have to do is listen to the voices in our head and become identified with them and become attached to what they're saying and fall for the sales pitch. We want to, we're going to add another. A very specific kind of con artist and salesman that's selling something very, very specific. Okay? Our ego mind is a cult leader. Because cult leaders cultivate... Perhaps I don't know if you've ever... Contemplated the word cult and its relationship to culture and cultivate. But a cult leader cultivates beliefs, and beliefs are what form the foundation of culture. If culture is the mushroom that grows, right? Think about uh, in science class, right? How do you grow bacteria, right? You, 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 uh, you culture them in a Petri dish. 
and you grow mushrooms, right? You grow mushrooms. How do you grow mushrooms? Oops. Oh, this will have to do. You grow mushrooms in bullshit. Literally. You grow mushrooms in shit. Literally. So a cult leader cultivates beliefs. Yeah, no, uh, Kathy, it's not just, it's not the beliefs are not necessarily true. They're always false. Always. Beliefs are masquerading as the truth. But that's all they are. It's a masquerade. And the actions, and it's, it's bullshit. It's just, it's hypnosis and ignorance. That's what a belief is. It's not knowledge. It's not self-evident experiential knowledge. It's something that's, it's, it's, a, it's an illusion. It's a fabrication of the mind. Yeah, it's snake oil. I mean, there's a million different, we have a million different symbols and allegories that we can use to talk about this. It's a, uh, uh, so, but the key here is to recognize, the key here is to recognize that there is in the world a cult of self-esteem. This is a very real phenomenon. Right? And this is fed by child psychologists, right? What they call pediatric psychologists, I guess, and, and early childhood development. All of Gen Z was created by this cult of self-esteem. You know how the, the children growing up in Gen Z, uh, everybody got a medal? Just for, just for participating, you got a medal. There was no podium. There was no first, second, third. Everybody got a, a participatory level. Everybody was entitled to win, don't you know? And they, they raised an entire generation under this cult of self-esteem, this cult of believing in yourself. And, 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 and you, are, you are limitless and you can do anything you want and you can have anything you want. Because, you know, because of the new age influence of we live in unlimited abundance and, and, and you can manifest all the desires in the world that you want and on and on and on and on and on it goes. And you're already a God, don't you know? You're God experiencing the world or uh, you're a God experiencing the universe or the universe, however many ways they express that. And you're a God already, right? 
And so you have this, this, this religious cult of the self, of self-esteem. <laughs> Stuart says, pop music had the, the karma chameleon of Culture Club. <laughs> Uh, well, yes, and Boy George was was one of those, uh, uh, certainly he was one of those characters, uh, pop, from, uh, pop culture, like Madonna, who, who paved the way, or like Cher, uh, who paved, uh, like Elton John, to a degree, who paved the way for others, more extreme versions of that, like, um, Lady Gaga right? Performance artists or whatever. Um, and her famous meat suit that she wore to the Oscars, uh, we believe, if, if we're not, if we're not mistaken. Okay. So the key here, this self-deception, we want to, I guess, hone in on this, right? Make sure we, that we got this one the self-deception and recognizing that this self-deception is, whoops, uh, yeah, okay, we'll put this back over here. So, the uh, self-deception, the self that is doing the deceiving is the ego. What is another word? What is the, another way of describing the self? the ego self. If the self-deception that is taking place is caused by the ego, and it's that I, that, that ego that's doing the deceiving, or the many egos which constitute that singular amalgamation of all those egos, what do we call that singular amalgamation of all our, of our egos that we identify with and we become attached to? What do we typically call it? I'll give you a hint. Do we call it the true self? Right, yeah, okay. We call it our our uh our uh shaitan. Which means the adversary. Okay. But if we were to call it a self, 
what self is it? We'll give you we'll give you a hint. It's on the screen. We'll make we'll make it bigger. It's on our whiteboard. All right, we got we got lower self. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that could work. Okay, we could call it the lower self. What else could we call it? trying to keep you guys engaged uh yeah you know we could it's you're you're grasping now you're going esoteric go simple go simple very simple let's go all the way back to the beginning okay we taught we we said there's there's a path that there's false self-confidence and true self-confidence. The very key to this entire talk is how we began. Everything you need to know is here on screen. <laughs> we hate to do this to you because we know you're going to be kicking yourselves. You're going to be beating yourselves up. Ah, thank you. We have a winner. We have a winner. Uh, but our, our screen went away. So there we go. So everybody should be beating themselves up right now. And kicking themselves. But Mugaboo has the answer. We said, we warned you from the beginning, pay very close attention to the words. We even wrote them for you in a way such that the answer is, is self-evident. There are two paths, the path of the true selves, the confidence which derives from the true self, and the fake confidence, the illusion, the deception, which comes from the false self. This is the key to confidence in any given moment in our lives whenever we face a fork in the road where is the source of our confidence is it 
coming from our true self? Or is it coming from our false self? That is the answer. That determines if we are operating on false self-confidence or true self-confidence. Do you see the power of the, the, the spelling of the words, of the language? When we say words have power and words have meaning, this is what we mean. This is magic. You don't overthink this. You feel this. It's right there in black and white, or in this case, red and purple. It's, it's self-evident. There were no tricks. We did not hide anything from you. We showed you. We laid it out on the line from the very beginning. This is the path. This is your choice. This is what we're here to talk about. And this is the key. The key to success on the path. Which path? The path of your true self. Because if all of your, if you are applying all of your confidence is coming from your false self, you might be successful on the path of the false self. But these two uh, these two paths do not intersect. Okay, it's, 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 it's a choice. Okay, to be or not to be. Stuart, um, we think that in your case, uh, it is true. It is true that, uh, it, and this is StreamYards, because if you're on YouTube and you have to, you, you, we ask you a question, you type something, it's got to get to StreamYards first and then through to us. So there's nothing, there's nothing we can do about that. But still, the, uh, the point here uh, to, be, to be had, to be made, is that the connection between false self-confidence is that it's all what the world calls and sells as uh, nowadays as self-confidence, all of this nonsense, all of this deception, right? And this, this cult of, uh, of, of self-esteem and everything else. Because all of this is related to the false self. It's that simple. And true self-confidence, look how simple it is. I mean, it's so beautifully, it's just beautifully, it's so beautifully elegant and simple. It's the truth. And knowing the truth. And knowing your 
self. And which self do you have to know to have true self-confidence? Right? Which self do you really have to know in order to have true self-confidence? Or we can put it another way. If false self-confidence comes from the false self, where does true self-confidence come from? We can't believe that it's this laggy. <laughs> Are you there? It's hard for us to believe that it would be this laggy, that it would take like a matter of 30 seconds or a minute between us asking a question and you guys typing it and us be, being able to uh, receive it. That, that's, that seems like that's, uh, that's, that's, that's more than just lag, that's, that's something else. But, uh, but as Azil comes in with the answer, and he says, the true self, of course. And so, it, this, we're not trying to be clever, and we're not trying to be, um, you know, tricky. We're not trying to trick anyone, or trick you. It's... So let's get into it with Kathy's comment. Let's let's just get into it. If we know that whatever comes from the false self is not going to be true confidence, it's going to be false confidence. Then we know that we have to turn to our true self and that our true self is the source of true confidence. <clears throat> we're going to maybe, ah, you know what? We're going to just start fresh and clean. Okay. And uh, Kathy kicked us off here. Um, We're going to just write that in brackets right at the top. Stuart says, we are inherently priceless in value when we are honest and connected to Holy Spirit. Self-esteem is required to prop up the false self. 
No self-esteem is needed on the path of true self. It's simple. It's what it's, and it's true. And in fact, when we arrange ourselves in conjunction with our our true self and we receive and through us, right? Okay. So what comes down into us goes out into the world through us. We recognize ourselves as Um, yeah. Stuart says here, the true self has no fear. It's fearless. And the false self is fearful. And fear is also control. So this mortal vessel is susceptible to, uh, you know, we can be infected by, uh, um, that's not the best, uh, there we go. right? Many egos, many demons can infect us, right? And so the con job that they pull on us, the deception is that the false, the confidence of the false self is the false confidence, the false self's confidence. But when we recognize that we are, we are mortal, we are just a mortal vessel and a humble servant, when we recognize this about our self with a small s, And as Stuart points out, we know that the true self is incapable of, of he, it's our true self is shielded, is incapable of feeling, of being possessed by fear, and is incapable of being deceived in that way, and is not in the business of deception, and certainly not in the business of deceiving us. The true self, the being, as we were pointing out earlier, 
and many of you have pointed out, honesty, truth, etc. These these are this is this is virtue. Stuart says there's a 145-second lag. Let's test that again. Um, we're going to draw something on the screen and just immediately type what you see, what we just drew immediately just one word and um and then we'll see how long it gets to me your comment pardon everyone while we while we just this is this is this is a a, a kind of a point of this is us having wanting to have confidence in the platform that we're using <laughs> so uh here we go Stuart if you can do this for us uh, we're going to draw something really quick and then okay go we'll see how long it takes Stuart to, uh, to type what this is and his comment to show up in the meantime we will uh, report okay so as azil said cup so i don't know how that long that was if somebody was timing that but as azil just said cup so that was a good 20 30 seconds maybe but we haven't heard anything back from stewart <laughs> so clearly uh people are on different times and different time zones and lag like it's different for depending on where you are and it might be because everybody, you know, those of you who are watching on YouTube, it could be that uh, the live stream is being shared out using different YouTube servers. And it might just be the server that you're on. Who knows? But Stuart, Stuart's in Australia, isn't he? If we, if we remember correctly, maybe we have that wrong. But we've, we're pretty sure that Stuart's in Australia. Or maybe he's in the UK. Or maybe we're just completely uh, absent-minded right now. Regardless, just while we're waiting for Stuart to respond, um, take that off the screen. Did you just see it now, Kathy? Did you just see it now? Or did you see it around the same time that Azazel wrote it? No, she says no. And Benjamin says, I think the lag is caused by the seek bar on YouTube not being on the rightmost side. Right, we, we have, we, we're not on YouTube, right? Uh, yeah, no, so Kathy says, same as Azazel, okay. Um, it, yeah, it could be that somebody, if, if, 
if you pause the live stream for any amount of time and you come back, you're not going to be, you're going to pick up where you left off. So you could be minutes or like many seconds behind if you paused it or, or something like, but, uh, but Benjamin makes a good point here. You if you drag the seek bar all the way to the right, you should get caught up with everybody else. If you're on YouTube, there should be no reason why uh, you're lagging further behind anybody else on YouTube. It'll be interesting to note if anybody's getting this kind of lag on Facebook. But uh, anyway, it's, well, it's interesting. It's technology, right? What, what are we going to do? There's nothing we can do about it. And we're not on YouTube, so we don't have control over anything. We're on, we're on StreamYards. And StreamYards simultaneously live casts to YouTube, for us anyway, for to YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So... All right, where were we? Okay. So the key here is that we want to be able to get around. Ah, there Stuart says cup. Okay, Stuart. Um, it's possible that if you're you're watching on YouTube, it's possible that your uh, Benjamin uh, pointed this out that your um, your slider the seat on the seek bar might not be all the way to the right. Like you may have paused or something, or YouTube may have paused, or at some point something and you fell behind leg. It's very unlikely that you're that much far behind everybody else because uh, both. Azazel and uh, Kathy saw the cup at the same time, and it was maybe a twenty, maybe a twenty-second delay. But you're clearly delayed, like close to two minutes. So you might want to just adjust the, see if you can adjust the slider or, or refresh your browser window. That might help. Or it also might be that you might be watching on a slower speed or something. I mean, th there could be any number of reasons. But that's the best that's the best advice we can give you um, at this point to to try to um, uh, fix your um, your uh, uh, lag uh, issue. And yeah, and Stuart's in the the UK. We we couldn't remember it. We couldn't remember. It was either Australia or the UK. We knew that. Um, it might be that it might be that the that's just the delay that that you have to live with. But in any case. Let's leave behind the delay issues and the, uh, the the lag issues because there's nothing we can do about it. There's just no point stressing over it. But it just puts into um, better focus for us that we shouldn't expect immediate snappy answers when we ask when we ask questions. Okay, but if you jump on the live stream, there seems to be no lag. So. I don't know. It's technology. It's going to do whatever the, whatever the hell it wants to do, and there's nothing we can do about it. So let's come back to the uh, the point here, and that is the confidence that we want. Obviously, is the quiet confidence that we get that we receive from our true self. 
because that's true confidence. And it is on the strength of that foundation of true confidence, a confidence which we receive, that we are able to act confidently, regardless of the fear, right? Or the, you know, and um, the, uh, the, the, the fear and the uh, the pride, which is also shame, right? Shame is the flip side of pride. And whatever other egos get in the way, we can act with the quiet confidence which we receive. From, obviously we're showing this as from above, but it's from within. And this is how we can become as a mortal vessel, but recognizing our humility and this is so key Because as Stuart was saying before, self-esteem is, is required to prop up the false self. Self-esteem is needed, um, you know, for false confidence. It's pride, it's narcissism. But when we recognize ourselves as a humble servant of our innermost being and how we act and what we say and what we do comes by virtue of our higher self, our true self. And we have the confidence in what we say and what we do because we're just a servant. We just do what we're told. We say what we're told to say, and we do what we're told to do. We respond how we are told to respond. And we have confidence that it is right action. Right action. as opposed to the left hand path that Kathy mentioned earlier. Where was it? There, there she's, there it was. We mentioned to you guys at the beginning that it's the words will matter, but as you can see, it's not the words, it's, your, it's also the arrangement of words. And now the visualization, the image 
They say a picture is worth a thousand words. But all these words are coming together to, to create this picture, which is very, very, very simple indeed. When we face tests and challenges and ordeals. Oh, actually, before we, before we get any further, we need to uh, cover this, that Benjamin shared this um, earlier, and then we got, the, we got sidetracked on the uh, lag issue, and it got, fell behind. Benjamin says... Today's topic gave me a new perspective on the phrase, the truth shall set you free. To me, it now means that the truth, I am, shall set you, the true self, free from the false self. I am grateful for this insight. Thank you. Let's unpack that a little bit, Benjamin. The truth is up here. And we can underline honesty and virtue because honesty is the virtue of truth. The truth will set you, the true self, the I am, free from the false self. And if confidence, true confidence, or let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's be consistent. If the, if the true self-confidence comes from the true self, obviously, and so does truth and honesty and all virtue. As it flows down into us, the mortal vessel and humble servant, and we allow that to be in that flow state, we've talked about flow state in the past, and that flow from above and within, and we become a wellspring. Our cup runneth over, and we become a fountain. Of truth and virtue. And we become a fountain of sweet ambrosia for others. And we bear witness to the fruits, right? 
these are apples, but they may as well look like hearts as well, right? The fruits of our labor. Because a servant labors, right? A servant labors for their Lord and Master. But if you are a fountain, if you are a wellspring, and we begin to reap what we sow, and we see the fruits of our labor, we bear witness. We bear witness and we can testify. We've seen the evidence. And we can have confidence in right our true self that's sorry benjamin we're going to take your comment off the screen cuz you can't see you guys can't see what i'm writing down there and where someone has confidence We have another word for this, right? We have another word for confidence. When we witness, we've seen evidence. In medieval times, in a courtroom, a witness on the witness stand would... would give their faith in christian terms this is what it means to testify because one has confidence one has confidence in one's experience one has confidence in one's experiential knowledge one has confidence in the truth and the virtue which comes forth from above and within, from their innermost God, from their higher self, the true self. One has, one has faith in one's innermost Lord and Master, whom one serves humbly, with humility, no requirement for self-esteem. In fact, the more humble we are, the better. Because the more humble we are, the less susceptible we are to the demons of pride and shame. It's, it's the same, it's the same ego. It's just the Two sides of the same coin.
And when we have faith, when we know, when we trust, in our higher self, in our true self, then we can negate the influence of fear. And the more of the virtues that we embody, the more of the the more honest we are of our place in the scheme of things, the more we be the more we become an embodiment of our true self the more humble we are and the more we see ourselves for what we are which is a mortal vessel the more we can embody our true self the more we serve and the more we embody our true self and the more we become this wellspring serving others and the more we see we witness the fruits of our labor the more practiced we become the more confident we become in our ability to serve. Our ability to serve consciously, conscientiously. And serve not just dutifully, but with fidelity. accurately to express with fidelity the truth which is being given to us to express and embody and that fidelity that fide is the very foundation of the word confidence to be with that to have that, that capacity to express with accuracy, with fidelity. Normally the word fidelity, it applies to things like uh, sound quality, like high fidelity sound. It's even called hi-fi, hi-fi sound, high fidelity. Why? Because it is said to reproduce with as little distortion as possible. Look at this visualization here and this cloud of egos swirling within us and around us, all of our conditioning, all of our all of our our, our shortcomings and foibles and 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 weaknesses as mere mortals. The more we can become accurate, high-fi vessels like a high-fi speaker and we can reproduce with high fidelity the truth 
that is how we can bring into the world that which we are here to bring into the world and that which the world needs free of with as little distortion as possible Stuart says hi-fi surround sound confidence but rest assured that it is through that process and through that practice of refinement and becoming an analog to our true self. We need to uh, make ourselves small here again. Uh, Stuart says, the, uh, the sound bar of fine judgment. And Kathy says, honesty and integrity brings confidence. Well, okay, so let's, let's, we can work with that, by the way, because fidelity uh, is related to integrity. Because integrity, because high fidelity, we're going to put the word high in here now, with high fidelity means that your reproduction maintains the integrity of the original. That's what high fidelity means. You are conveying with as little distortion as possible the, 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 the sound and the impact, the notes, the vibrations, the frequencies of the original recording or of the original playing which was ultimately analog, or presumably. We're going to work with analog because we will um, just make a, a little room here. So we have this way and this way, okay. High fidelity, right? High fi analog What is an analog? This A 
U-M, the analogous ultimate methodology. Hi-Fi. The methodology to the alm of life is the path of true self-confidence. Because that is how we become a high fidelity, high integrity, honest and true analog of our true self. We become a reflection, an expression, an embodiment of who we truly are. This is the process. This is the path to be, to become who we truly are. And to, be, and to unbecome who we are not. To let go, to strip away all that bullshit self-esteem nonsense and all that the, the cult of personality and the 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 yeah the cult of self-esteem and the the self-hypnosis and all the mental trickery and the believing in oneself and I can do this and I can do that and I'm the important one and I'm the one who's gonna get it done. And I, 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 pride, narcissism, self-importance, and all the delusions of grandeur which come with false self-confidence, where we become a mechanical, a, a, we become a, a compressed, distorted, mechanical digital uh, facsimile we are not a hi-fi analog reproduction of our true self we are a low a low fidelity, and a no integrity. Uh, copy. But we're going to put some of these other words in here. We're going to say uh, mechanical. and digital in other words the uh the word that they use in music is lossy okay because it's compressed right cd mu uh, cd music compact discs or mp3s mp3s are even worse because much of the information is just stripped away. It's considered superfluous. So they so the computer picks frequencies that the human here quote cannot hear 
and it strips those around uh, uh, all that information away that so-called superfluous information because you can't hear it anyway it's impossible to hear and that's why when you listen to to a cd it sounds pretty good but when you play that cd through a hi-fi analog sound system you can you you and you compare that to a a lossless digital format or a uh, a vinyl or some other analog recording and you compare them side by side through a hi-fi system so high fidelity speakers and high fidelity amps you can you can feel the difference you can feel it the frequencies aren't there the energy isn't there the vibrations aren't there it doesn't matter if you can hear them or not you can feel them that's why so many people go to listen to live concerts and live events and even you can have mozart's magic flute on a dvd or on a uh, on a cd and listen to it a thousand times at home but you still want to go see it live because the because there's something magical and powerful about being an about the analog world that on some level everything in nature is an expression of the analogous ultimate methodology all of nature is doing this process to one degree or another and it's not just the true self it goes the next step up okay which is the which is the uh, the logos the self which is the the self of selves and the being of beings into countless billion trillion googles of of monads of of uh of of beings right that's god that's 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 the universe that's the absolute expressing itself oh, we're gonna um pick a uh, more appropriate color okay it goes down to uh right this is the the christ is the second logos so we have the, uh, but, you know, anyway, it goes through the father and the son, you know, so you know the whole sequence. So we won't, we won't, we're not going to dwell on that right at this particular moment because that's not the point. To be with fide that fidelity 
to have that fidelity and express that fidelity is to express that truth, that honesty, that virtue, that love, that light, to express the nature of the Christ, the nature of God. This is the analogous ultimate methodology. In the same way that we seek self-evident experiential knowledge, and Gnosis is experiential knowledge, because we are interacting with expressions of true self-confidence. That is what allows us to have faith in the fidelity of our experience. Look around you. Look at what you're experiencing right now. And why there is so much, why we suffer so much with, with uh, anxiety and with insecurity and with self-doubt because we live in a world where we are inundated with false self-confidence. It's one of the reasons why it's good to get out into nature often because in nature and, and it's good to get away from the digital distractions and the mechanicity and get out into nature into analog reality where we can experience high fidelity hi-fi aum of life Hi-Fi Analog Ultimate Methodology. The Christ expressing itself in an infinite, through an infinite number of monads. And when you feel into analog nature and you see the beauty and you 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 can touch the Christ expressing itself through the body of divine mother nature and you 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 experience that and you know what you are experiencing you know it's not egoic you know it's not theoretical it's not in your mind. It's on a deeper level. You are connecting with Christ, with God, in an analog way. Not in a synthetic way, not in a, a, a digital way, in an imaginary way, in a mental way, in a believing way. I just, you know, I, I think that I'm having an experience.
to develop this type of confidence, there's only one way to do so. And that is, first and foremost, to walk the path of humility and to recognize our place in the world, to be the vessel and servant of our true self, to observe ourselves and remember ourself and all the different practices that we have. Meditation, pranayama, sexual alchemy, meditation on the egos, retrospection, meditation on the egos, transformation of impressions, all the different practices that we have on the path to strengthen our connection to our true self. And we have to go through life observing one eye in and one eye out so that when we say things and do things and we see the fruits of our labors and we go, wow, where did that come from? That didn't come from here. I didn't think to do that. I didn't think to say that. But if you're not in if you're not in observation of yourself, then you won't know. You won't know when you are being a fountain and a vessel delivering the truth and the light. And you won't develop that quiet confidence. If you don't observe yourself, you don't pay attention to what is coming forth from you and what you are allowing or what your ego out of fear or out of pride or shame or self-doubt or all these other uh, facets of false confidence is preventing you from bringing into the world because you're worried about what other people are going to think of you or what uh, how other people are going to judge you because if you're bringing truth into the world guess what we've all been on the receiving end of the of cognitive dissonance we've all we all know what it's like to um someone said this to us just today on facebook they said well we guess you poke the bear because someone lost their shit right because we did we did nothing but share some uncomfortable truth with them and they've they've of course, flew into a rage because they didn't want to hear it. But there is a quality to true self-confidence which allows us to speak the truth regardless. Like in the kingdom of heaven, when Balian is told, one uh, his oath and a part of his oath is to speak the truth always even if it leads to your death that is the that is the power of true self-confidence that you will not be afraid 
to speak the truth, not your truth, the truth. There's nothing possessive whatsoever to objective truth. There's nothing to identify with, and there's nothing to attach to. There's nothing to claim ownership of. The truth is. It is what it is. Meaning, it, as Benjamin said earlier, I am that I am. Truth and God are synonymous. God is as much the embodiment of truth as truth is the embodiment of God. Ergo, when we walk the path of true self-confidence, as Benjamin said, uh, was quoting the scripture, the truth shall set you free. It is our innermost essence of God who is set free by the truth. Because truth and liberty are synonymous. This week, we were working all week on our book, obviously. As we mentioned at the beginning, the book is... We completed all the editing, and we've resubmitted it now for um, layout, internal layout and formatting, and preparation for publication. So we're we're in the final stages now. Now, if you recall, last week we had a bit of a mea culpa and a bit of a uh, uh, a confession and a teaching opportunity, a learning opportunity from our own suffering the week prior and the week prior to that related to our Facebook accounts being canceled, etc., etc. This week, uh, our, our book, our Word file uh, got corrupted. And we were trying to reconstitute the tables of figures and the table of videos and we also have links, and we were reconstituting the table of links. And Word, because Word's own internal processing treats all these different tables uh, internally in its own programming, it treats them all as all table of figures, it decided that um, throughout the entire document, which is 444 pages, All the figures and all the videos and all the links, the captions should be doubled up. And without getting into too much technical detail, we were looking at literally days of work, just, just completely like vanished we were looking at at least two or th three or maybe three or four more days to have to actually reverse this 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 colossal screw-up that we didn't even know when exactly it happened because we were working on the tables 
and we were reconstituting the tables and we were working on the bibliography that are all in the appendix in the end of the book. And it was only by just fluke, which of course wasn't really fluke, but it seemed like a fluke at the time, that we just scrolled back to um, to the beginning and we noticed there's this anomaly in one of the in the in the image where the caption where it would have the caption now had a caption for the next video and the next link included in the caption for the first figure and as and we said we we just got this sinking feeling and this intuition that the entire file has been corrupted and sure enough as we went from figure to figure to figure to figure to figure, every single one, everything was everything was completely screwed up. It was a classical, classic Microsoft Word debacle or Microsoft software debacle. And naturally, it was a test. And we can say that we didn't get we didn't get angry we didn't freak out we didn't get upset and in fact we weren't even worried because we just calmly allowed the source of quiet confidence within to assert itself. We just we sat and we waited for the source of our true self-confidence to advise us, to guide us, to show us the way out of this mini-catastrophe. And in a moment, what came into our mind was ah, version control. Because Word saves everything into the cloud, et cetera, et cetera. And we were pretty sure that that's probably how the corruption took place to begin with. And we always have an offline backup that doesn't sync to the cloud. But in this particular case, when we tried opening up our offline backup, it too was corrupted, which means it was corrupted the, the previous day work. Sometime during the previous day, and because we were working on the bibliography, whatever, we didn't think to go back and check things to make sure everything was still okay before we made the, the offline backup. So our offline backup was also corrupted. But again, that's when we received word from within that this is, this is when you take advantage of version control. And that's a, uh, uh, an aspect that that uh, Office has because it's constantly auto-saving to the cloud. It keeps, it keeps all prior versions automatically in, in this, in a timeline. So it's kind of like uh, on Macintosh, on Apple, you have your uh, time machine. So you can go back in time. So if you install something or your operating system becomes corrupt or whatever, you can use the time machine theoretically to go back in time and restore 
your system to where it was prior to whatever corrupted it. And using that same philosophy, we were able to use words uh, version control in uh, iDrive. I think it's called iDrive. Anyway, whatever Microsoft's cloud saving thing. And we were able to find a version. We kept going back version by version by ver save by save by save by save by save until we until we got to the point where the uh, the figures weren't the the file wasn't corrupted anymore. And that we immediately saved as an offline file. And we so we were able to restore and reverse the corruption. This took place relatively quickly, relatively easily, and without us losing our shit, without us going batshit crazy, like we did the previous week when we learned about our Facebook page getting canceled. In other words, the test and the lessons that we had been taught the previous week, we were being tested again on the very same thing. And the lesson that we learned and why we are giving this talk today is because of how important it is to let go and let God, which was last week's talk. And that the path to letting go and letting God is the path of true self-confidence where you put your faith and trust in your higher self. And it is, it is through that faith that you have the confidence that, yeah, oh, this will work. Yeah, oh, just relax. Everything's going to work out. There's a way out of this. And even if you don't know that way, it's not up to you. It's not up to us to know. It's not up to us to figure it out. We don't have the answers. We don't have, we're not going to have the answers. We'll never have the answers unless they are given to us. And if we don't need them, they won't be given to us. But if we do need them, they will, they will be given to us. This is very hard for the ego to accept. The ego wants to lose its shit. The ego wants to be in control. The ego wants to be able to say, I did it. I figured it out. Hey, everybody, my, my file got corrupted and I went on Google and I went on Reddit and I did all this research and I found this forum and I found some people and what they did and how they did and they showed me how to fix it and blah, 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 blah. That's what I normally would have done in this situation. That's what I did with the Facebook situation. I went online and Googling and how do I get my Facebook thing account back and blah, blah, you know, and just going nuts, going batshit crazy. Oh my God, my 10,000 K followers. I mean, we told you all the story last week. What we can tell you is our experience recovering the file and uncorrupting our 450-page book was so much more pleasant. It was so much more relaxed. It was so much less tension and stress inducing. Why?
in theory, in theory, we could have taken either one of these paths like we did when we lost our Facebook account. But in practice, we we just allowed and surrendered and again this morning we had another little incident it's a minor little thing but our uh, for whatever reason the um, the tiny screw in our glasses came out and our lens popped out and uh, and you know how small the the screws in 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 uh, eyeglasses are and we're like no drama no stress no anxiety whatever we had the confidence that we could find the screw or rather we had the confidence that we would be shown where the screw was and that's how we approached it and it's things become so much less dramatic and traumatic and there's just so everything becomes so much smoother when we are on the path of true self-confidence Benjamin uh, might be tempted at this point to say something like that Christian um, axiom, uh, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Yeah, it's, yeah, we have that right. It's, uh, there's this, you know, W, W, G, J, D. <laughs> What would Jesus do? And Christians ask this question, like when you're facing a tough thing in life, you, ask, you should ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? But unfortunately, uh, this for the Christians is kind of a, a, a mental exercise. So for them, they're, they're, this is a mental exercise. It's taking place in their rational mind and as actually related to false self-confidence because they they say oh well you know jesus uh, would do this or do that or blah you know and they're just making it up and they're telling themselves what they want to hear and they're they're attributing it to jesus and and they're using that as the basis for their decision making process say oh this is what jesus would do i know jesus would do, jesus would do this or jesus would do that when in reality the path of true self-confidence is what would my innermost being want me to do what does my innermost lord and master need me to do and the answer is always observe listen be patient relax receive the guidance and have faith in that guidance 
Be confident. In other words, be. We said last week that the only reason why we're even here today and able to give these talks and able to to well there are some comments uh, we should get to kathy says congratulations on your test she said you let go stuart says well done and congratulations with progress on all fronts and he says, your recounting of events this past week reminds me of a saying that was given to me. When man makes a plan of no plan, divinity can reveal its plan for us. And Kathy agrees. She says, yes, Stuart. Yeah. And that's essentially letting go and letting God. That's another way of saying that. Um you know the other expression, life is what happens when we're busy making plans. So when you're not busying yourself making plans, you are free. You are free for what? You are free to experience and to know and to have that, that hi-fi analogous ultimate methodology and partake in that hi-fi analog process called life and living as an embodiment of your true self the true self doesn't make plans through your false ego mind we receive the completed plans and we don't necessarily receive it all in one big piece right it's like it's like we get our life work metered out to us like an Ikea instruction book or like a comic book or like a novel or like anything. It's like one line at a time, one word at a time, one drawing at a time, one step at a time. As Lao Tzu said, the journey of a thousand miles is begins with a single step. And you don't have to see the top of the staircase. You only need to see the next step. So. We just have to have the confidence that if we are being told to take that first step and we are being shown the next step, then we have to put our faith and trust that there is indeed a top of the staircase and that sooner or later we will arrive there if only we keep the faith and keep on our path of true self-confidence one step at a time and that brings us to what we were saying last week about the only reason why we arrived to where we arrived today is because for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and with many missteps along the way, stumbling often along the way, this is how we lived our life ever since we were a child. 
and we we didn't do what others said we should do for the most part we didn't follow the crowd for the most part we didn't put a lot of faith or trust we did not have a lot of confidence in the so-called leaders and the so-called uh, role models growing up. We saw too much hypocrisy. We saw too much too much bullshit. We too, and we saw too much salesmanship. And we saw too much self-deception in these so-called role models or so-called gurus. But even so, many of the steps and many of the, the, the individuals whose advice we did follow was only temporary. And temporarily, they were just stepping stones to get us to the next level and the next level and the next step and the next step and the next step. Because certainly, had we been had we been thrown into the deep end of gnosis at a very young age when we were still being brought up, you know, as as Roman Catholic, we might have had an adverse overreaction we might have been triggered by it we might have had an adverse reaction to all of that truth all that uncomfortable truth so but from a very young age we had experience and we had our own capacity to witness and trust and trust in our intuition and even though sometimes the fruits of our labors and the fruits of following that intuition wasn't very pleasant and yet it, there was something about those outcomes which didn't matter it wasn't about the outcome. It was about the journey. And more critically, it was about the process. It was about the methodology. It was about experiencing life as an analog. It was about experiencing the analogous ultimate methodology and, and working on that process from a very young age. And we're still in process. But as we progress further and as we continue this work, we feel ourselves becoming more and more a hi-fi analog that 
our words and our works are becoming less and less distorted reproductions of the essence of the truth which we are here to deliver to humanity, which we are here delivering to you. And although we are often accused of being arrogant by those who are not ready to hear the truth, but who must hear the truth and to whom we share the truth and show the truth, hopefully, through our, through our recent experiences and the sharing of those experiences, but also through today's talk, you can see that the path of true self-confidence is anything but arrogant. But to those who are trapped on the path of false self-confidence, to those who have given themselves to the cult of self-esteem, true self-confidence always comes across as arrogance. Because to the ego, the truth is an anathema. Anathema. <laughs> the ego is, is, has an anaphylactic reaction to the truth. So naturally, anyone who's trapped and, and brainwashed by the cult of self-esteem and, and, and wandering the, the easy path through the wide gate into hell which is called false self-confidence. Anyone who's on the path of true self-confidence will be in their eyes arrogant and obnoxious and, and who the hell does he think he is? Etc., etc., etc. Well, the answer, you all know, the answer is we don't think of ourselves as anything, actually. We know ourselves, and we know ourselves to be who we are. And this mortal vessel knows who and what he is, and we, Atlas, know who we are. And in those moments when we speak with absolute certainty, that we are delivering a hi-fi analog expression of the truth. We know in those moments that we are speaking the words of Aluks, the living Christ, the Logos. And we know that. And it is a knowing which is only possible because we are on the path of true self-confidence. Jennifer says, three weeks ago, my sight was lost in one eye. I had a hemorrhage and a torn retina. I cried because it may happen in my other eye. 
I have had no choice but to let go and let God and take steps as they come. To hear, to hear something like that makes our Facebook catastrophe or our uh, Microsoft uh, snafu seem infinitely uh, insignificant. But for all of us at any particular moment, in any particular circumstance, what matters to us matters to us. And it might seem insignificant compared to what other people are going through at the time. But regardless, our ego, our fears, our pride will make mountains out of molehills. That's what it does. That's what ego does. And so what Jennifer is sharing with us is just a vivid and um, acute example of how applicable this wisdom is. And that we can apply this across every aspect of our life. Because we are, after all, just mortal vessels. We are characters in a game. And it is our innermost player who is here to play this game through us. So no matter what comes our way, if we leave it to our innermost player, then we can have the quiet confidence that everything will work out one way or another. It might not work out the way I want it to, but it will work out for the best. It'll work out the way our true self needs it to. And as a humble servant, we serve our Lord and Master, then we know that what's best for our Lord and Master is what's best for us. Our ego is not going to think this way. Our ego is not going to believe this. Our ego is going to rage and our ego is going to try to resist and fly off the handle and try every trick in the book. To get us to to get us back on the path of false self-confidence. Like precious, right? Gullum telling Smeagol, "I'm who saved us? Who helped us?" Who, who got us this far? Who got us through all these years, right? It's very interesting because we have such an entity inside of us who tries to speak us to us that way. And after 50 years, we can, we can look at stare in the, straight in the face and say, and know that he can't say that. He can't say that to us. 
because we didn't follow him. We didn't listen to him. We didn't walk the path of self, false self-confidence. We were often, you know, momentarily in different times in our lives, including two weeks ago, pulled over onto that left path. And thankfully, circumstances and our Divine Mother intervened and and the universe intervened and 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 we were able to snap out of it and get back onto the right path. <clears throat> but this is very much a danger of of going through life with this I, 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 I did this and I did that and I was able to do this and I was able to do that. No, no. Any truly good thing that any of us have ever done, any truly good thing came through us, not from us. And that is why radical humility is an absolute necessity on the right-hand path, the path of right action, the path of true self-confidence, the path of the analogous ultimate methodology. Kathy says, I didn't have role models either. I wish I had, I wish I had had someone with real knowledge I could learn from. You know, the advantage of not having role models out there that we put our faith and trust in is we have no choice but to put our faith and trust in God. And the, the risk, the danger is, is that we put our faith and trust in ourself, our ego. Because our ego is constantly, right? constantly you know gra grasping at us clawing at us trying to pull us over into that left hand path right the path of false self confidence the ego is trying always constantly trying to get us to put our faith and trust in the false self to put our faith and trust in ego because another way that we can understand this little visualization here, and the all and the uh, the the now uh, becoming infamous um, uh, spaghetti, you know, uh, spaghetti mess of our uh, whiteboarding, uh, a digital whiteboarding here. Where's our hand? There we go. Okay, our <laughs> it's now becoming a, a notoriously uh, messy our our whiteboards. But the other way to understand. This overarching visual is the uh, the angel and the devil on the shoulder of all those cartoons when we were kids. You know the 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 
the devil whispering in one ear and the angel whispering in the other ear? <clears throat> or the battle between good and evil for the souls of humanity? Right? The game between God and Satan for the immortal souls of humankind? That's what you're looking at here. That's what it is. Where do we put our faith and trust? Where do we cultivate our confidence? In the cult of self-esteem or in the occult? The hidden, the esoteric, the true self, which is not out there. So not having role models is a blessing. Because when we have role models out there, we run the risk of becoming idolaters, of idolizing them, becoming obsessed with them, or trying to mimic them, believing that they have all the answers. And we end up in a false self-confidence. But when you have no one you can truly count on and rely on, when it comes to the spiritual things, because uh, when it comes to when it came to material well-being, you know, my family took care of me when it came to material well-being. They just, we just had to look elsewhere for role models of uh, when it came to esoteric matters, spiritual matters. And, and again, we, at a very, very young age, we, we were very, very sensitive to hypocrisy. And so in, as we write in our book, and you'll be able to read soon in our book, we share uh, the experience of being an altar boy and, 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 and basically being confronted by Jesus on the cross. And we just, he, there he was, staring us in the face, looking deep into our soul. And we just, we just nodded and went, yeah, okay, I get it. We get it. That was our role model. Christ on the cross. That was our role model. Not the Pope in Rome, and not the Bishop of the Diocese, and not even the priest, or anything, you know. No, no, that there was our role model. The only other role model we can think of uh, was St. Francis of Assisi. As a young child, when we learned about St. Francis of Assisi, we're like, aha, okay, there's another one. And we really liked St. Francis as a role model because of his connection with animals. We just loved animals, and we, we weren't allowed to have pets. Uh, when we were young, 
because our um, our mother in particular was uh, was always worried about our our uh, my parents uh, had antiques and stuff because you know immigrants and so on and so forth. So if they were going to spend money on furniture, they wanted to spend money on furniture that was going to have value. They didn't want to you know spend money on furniture that they would be throwing away. And because so when they did buy furniture, which was rare, that furniture was valuable and they didn't want, you know, it being scratched or anything else by animals, right? So we weren't allowed to have animals in the house. But I absolutely loved animals. I adored animals. I was like, if any of you have ever seen uh, Tiny Toons Adventures from the, I guess, the 90s. Maybe it was from the '90s. Warner Brothers made this Tiny Toons, uh, uh, and they and they made this character called El El Elvira, and she was the one that that like ah oh, fuzzy cutie fuzzies, and like was like every time she would get her hand on an animal, she would be like squeezing it until it was like choking to death. I was a little bit like that when I was a kid. When because I I so desperately desperately wanted to be able to hold animals and 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 commune with animals i you know it was just i just had this affinity for all living things and so when i discovered saint francis of assisi i was like okay that's my jam um so yeah these were these were like my other role models that we, that that i had see i didn't have like living role models you know what um you know what though? I, I lie. I lie because um I did have a living role model, um, a couple of them. Believe it or not, one of them was John Lennon. And um here's something that you may or may not uh believe. I fell sick suddenly and just overnight and i told my mom I, I i can't go to school i just can't go to school today and she's like oh you're not that bad you can go and I said, no, no 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 i i i just i i feel absolutely i i just can't go to school today she said fine 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 because i was a straight a plus student so she's like okay every now you know she was pretty lenient with me every now and then because i i wasn't i wasn't a screw up and i wasn't a slacker or anything else so so she said if you need a day off school then take a day off school and she went off and to, to work and my dad off. so i was i was home all alone and it was what about seven maybe eight years old if i got the dates right regardless i for whatever reason i went i turned on the tv and there, live on television, I watched John Lennon be assassinated. At that time, my only living role model shot to death in New York. And then when you consider Jesus and you know a few others here and there along the way, it's like, oh yes, okay. So these are the people that, let's face it, these are the people that 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 spoke to me. 
And these were the ones like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. I'm, I, I'm with you. That's my jam. And um, so, so you could say we had very high standards and it was very, very difficult for the people around us to live up to them. And it was difficult for us to live up to them, which led to a great deal of a lack of self-confidence, yeah? So we found ourselves um, at many points in our life back and forth and back and forth and being torn between these two paths in a serious way. But then again, you know, you know about the house guests that we live with and the tug of war that was happening inside of us. Uh, so this is all part and parcel. with the journey, with the, with the, the path, the process. And ultimately, it is a path Can you all see that? How can any of us hope to face psychological death with anything but true self-confidence? Because it is the true self who emerges from the other side. Contemplate that as you go out into the world. Right? As you witness all of the self-deception of the world, of this, of this suffering and degenerated humanity, and all the ways in which that humanity deceives itself or is deceived by its many egos, the Black Lodge. And ask yourself, or, or comprehend, Is this humanity really on the verge of a mass global awakening? Because global awakening denotes one thing, mass global psychological death. But who can face psychological death? Who can face the death of the ego, the death of the I, if they're caught in self-deception and they're caught in false uh, confidence? Because you cannot achieve psychological death and you cannot be 
a hi-fi analog of your higher self, of your true self. You cannot become who you truly are if you're couched in false self-confidence. Because the ego fears death. It's terrified of death. It will not let it will not let go. It will not die on its own. It won't. It can't. It goes against its mechanical programming. Benjamin says, this lecture has really gone into the real, uh, this lecture has really gone into the real estate of the false self and true self. I have a lot to digest. And Jennifer says, thank you so much. Grateful to have found you again uh, since uh, the Facebook issues. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. And uh, we're glad, we're also glad you found us. And um and so uh, follow us again, or uh, yeah, follow um, follow us again on on Facebook, Atlas Alex, and uh, and then you'll be notified of of, uh, and we'll keep you up to date on and everything's going on, Jennifer. Now, finally, before we sign off for today, you may have been wondering <laughs> uh, about the background. What what's up with what's up with Iron Man and Ultron? What's how does that or maybe you aren't wondering that. Maybe this and uh this allegory makes total sense to you. But just in case, um we are going to just very briefly, if we may, we're going to see if we can oh no, that's the wrong way. Let's do it this way. Okay. <laughs> we we will we 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 made ourselves get out of the way just long enough for you to see the whole the whole big picture, right? That Tony Stark is the creator in this allegory. Right? He's the inventor, he's the creator of the Iron Man suit, but he's also because of his ego, his ego creates Ultron. Ultron is a digital manifestation of his playing around with the Tesseract. And the Tesseract is 4D energy. It's the, the four dimension. The Tesseract is the 4D hypercube. And so the energy of the Tesseract is, is the sexual force. And it is Tony Stark's ego which gets the be better of him, and he ends up creating Ultron. And what is Ultron? Ultron is all about himself. The world needs more me. Me, 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 me. And he starts replicating himself, and, you know, and he starts creating, and he takes the Iron Man tech, and he infests and he infects it like a, like a virus, like a malware. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have the Iron Man suit, which has a personality, which has an onboard computer system. The Iron Man suit can think. The Iron Man suit can make decisions. Its onboard personality is called Jarvis. It is a mechanical, analog vessel 
It is a suit. It's a vessel. It's a vehicle. For who? For the creator. For the innermost. For the true hero. Who is Tony Stark? And there is an interesting uh, dynamic between Tony Stark and Jarvis. And it's not just in their banter. Tony Stark has an umpteen confidence in, in the Iron Man tech and the Iron Man suit and in Jarvis. You see, true self-confidence is born and belongs to the being. And the more we become hi-fi analogs, the more we stay true, <coughs> and we become a living embodiment, and we become a loyal servant, and a loyal vessel and vehicle for our innermost creator, our innermost Lord, our innermost superhero, our inner genius. The more that inner genius will have confidence in us, in our abilities, in our capacities, in our powers to serve him to do right by him and even to respond and save his ass in times of trouble. Contemplate that. Meditate on that. Read the Ramayama. Contemplate the relationship between Hanuman and Rama. Watch the Lord of the Rings and contemplate and comprehend the relationship between Frodo and Sam. Because what you are witnessing is the same allegory, and then Frodo and Sam and Gollum and Smeagol. In other words, precious, the ring. Because whether it's the allegory uh, visualized behind us or the, or the reality visualized here. The alm of life is the ultimate methodology that all of these allegories are analogous to. They are all hi-fi analog expressions of. That's what mythology is. And that's what they are all showing us, leading us, guiding us.
to the path of true self-confidence and showing us the tragedy and the agony and the suffering of the left-hand path of the twisted, degenerated, uh, distorted expressions, the false truths, the half-truths, the distorted truths. It all relates to that left-hand path, the false self. Confidence artistry. As bent as a Benjamin said earlier, let's add that. The path of false self confidence the self-deception because con artist is what the false self is. With that, we want to thank everyone for joining us today. And we want to open it up to any questions or comments before we leave. But it's been three hours, so let's... Uh, we will let you... Uh, if you have any comments or questions, please make them now and um, we'll do our best to answer them. And if not, we'll just... Say goodbye and tell you all we hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week. But so we'll, because especially given the lag, we'll give you a few minutes to see if um, there's something that uh, you would like to ask. <clears throat> just while we're waiting uh maybe if uh someone's taking the time to uh type something uh type a question well we, in our last few minutes while we wait uh we remind you that um if um oh kathy says uh thank you very thought-provoking well you're welcome kathy hope we uh you have something to meditate on um, if the time comes and you decide you wish to have a copy of the book and if you now we can't just distribute copies willy-nilly to everybody and we also can't gift or buy copies uh, to anyone in any other country using Amazon so but it's if you do want to have a copy of the book, it is most advantageous that if you get a copy, that you get it uh, from Amazon online so you can leave a review. But if you do decide to do that, if you do get a copy from Amazon, especially a Kindle edition, please, whatever you do, don't leave a review unless you completed the book because Amazon is cracking down on false reviews, fake reviews, 
and they know that some people some people would just buy a hundred copies of the book using a hundred fake accounts and they would go in and leave a hundred fake reviews so now amazon actually counts it keeps track of how far you've gotten in the book and they won't reveal what percentage you have to have read before a review becomes viable so the publisher that i spoke with said that it's best to be safe and read 100% of the book or at least 99 like get to the end of the book finish the book before you leave your review and so even if you get a physical copy of the book um if you get a physical copy of the book don't you know leave a review the day that the book shows up i mean be honest and we want you to be honest i mean i want you to be honest if you don't like the book leave a crappy review if you think the the, the book deserves a crappy review then please you know get, then make that your feedback um because again amazon is cracking down on this and and i and we wouldn't want a situation to arise where uh, out of the goodness of their heart, people want to do the right thing. People want to, uh, with very, very good intentions, they want to be supportive and they want, you know, they want, um, you know, to leave a positive impression and, and so on. And so they, and out of enthusiasm, you just run and write as raving review, you know, uh, on Amazon, uh, Amazon will, even if they don't delete your review, what they'll do is they'll penalize the book. If they if they deem that that a bunch of reviews are made up fake reviews, they will disallow, they will prevent the book from appearing on the Amazon bestseller list or the Amazon recommended list. They'll basically, what's the word? Uh, blacklist you? Like the the book will be the book will be blacklisted. It will still be available for sale, but Amazon will not promote it and will not recommend it to anybody. And it can't become an Amazon bestseller if Amazon feels there's been a bunch of shenanigans in the back end when it comes to uh, abusing the review system. So we're just reminding that, and we're going to continue reminding you of that um, in the future because uh, because things are for us. It's uh, it's it's going to be a matter of um, we don't have a big publisher behind us. We don't have a great deal of money uh, for um, uh, you know promotion and marketing and so on. So uh, we have to be we have to be um, above board. We have to be completely honest, and we have to be completely on the level. We do not want because of our lack of ability or or resources to do funding and promotion and without having a big publisher behind us we don't want to resort to cheap tricks to try to you know um we don't want to fall into false confidence right like take today's lecture as the backbone for what we're trying to say here right because amazon is getting sick and tired of people taking this left-hand path of deception 
to try to present evidence to readers why their book is so good, right? We don't we don't want that, and we don't want anyone who who who's involved with us who any of you who take your time and spend your energy here to listen to us or to read our book. We don't we do not want to encourage you in any way, shape, or form to be in any way deceitful or deceptive. No, take the path of 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 true self-confidence because we have the confidence in the book that we wrote because I didn't write it, right? We're just the messenger and we have the confidence in the message and we have confidence in all of you and your ability to extract from it the truth that we were here to deliver through it. And on those, on that basis, we have complete and total confidence that in due course, if you do buy the book from Amazon and read it, you will go and you will speak the truth about it. And that's good enough for us. And that's all we ask. No more, no less. So just, just follow your true self-confidence. That's it. That's it. But know that if you do, for whatever reason, go the other way, uh, Amazon has things in place to penalize us for that. That's all we want to. Uh, that's all we want to um, to say because uh, we know that some people have in our circle have come and said, "Oh, I'll buy five copies on Amazon and write five reviews for you." And I was like, "You know what? I'm I'm flattered, and I'm I'm. It's heartwarming that you would want to do that for us, but it's unless you're willing to read five copies of the book on your Kindle, please don't do that." Because you'll be sabotaging us with your with your good intentions, <clears throat> and that's just the way it is. Okay, a couple quick um, comments here. Benjamin also says that about Kathy's comment about being thought provoking. Benjamin says, "Same, thank you, Atlas. You're welcome, Benjamin." And Stuart says, "Thanks all. Always a pleasure to share time, love, and thoughts with you. Thank you, Stuart." for uh, being here. We know it's late where you are, so have a good sleep. And Benjamin Raphael says, thank you for sharing your knowledge on this topic today. Your insights have been invaluable, and we appreciate the effort you put in to provide us with this new information. Benjamin, it's always a pleasure to have you here, and thank you always for your insights and your, um, and your contributions. All right, everyone, with that, we think we'll call it a day. Thank you for all for being here. Uh, for And we, once again, you are always welcome. And we look forward to seeing you again next week and giving you not just a new topic to discuss, but also uh, hopefully we'll have an exciting announcements related to, uh, related to the publication and everything else. So thank you all. Have a great week. Take care of yourselves. And... Uh, as uh, Eleanor Roosevelt once said, step boldly in the direction of your dreams. And to that, we meant her, we meant, uh, we meant her to say, uh, step boldly in the direction of your true self-confidence. Thank you all. Take care. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>